0: I think in, in essence, you need to align around that change before changing, because the leads will go down, the meetings will probably go down, but your hope is that the pipeline and the revenue will go up. Um, and You need to make that very, very clear until it happens, because if you don't, you will, when it happens, you will have to revert back and that I have seen many times. Our jobs,
1: to tell better stories. And always- Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast. You're actually listening to the second part of our discussion with Adam Holmgren, head of demand generation at GetAccept. In part one,
2: we covered Adam's advice on how B2B marketers can survive the current economic downturn. In this second part, we will focus on happier topics and talk about Adam's bread and butter demand generation. We talk about the state of demand generation in Europe and how to shift from a lead generation to a demand generation model. Enjoy. Um, So Adam, um, on top of your kind of day job and side hustles that you're doing, you have also um, advised other European growth companies on demand generation and their go-to-market playbooks. I'm curious, what... Okay, this is a big question. I, I give you that. What is the state of demand generation in European companies? And I do realize that you haven't advised every <laughs> European country, yeah, but exactly. you know, from kind of from what you've seen and what what you are, um, ta- what, what kind of discussions you're having. What is the state of demand gen?
0: No, but in generally, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> but that's the. It is really. It's. it's truly terrible and i i think that is in a sense true for say us as well but i think even more so in europe it's very easy to if we log on to linkedin as an example it's very easy to it's a lot of people talking about demand now and talking about but when we actually when we look into their accounts or, or when i do that or when we you know actually look into what they're doing it's so far from it um it's like And I guess that's always true. Uh, And I guess that's very true for myself as well. It's a journey. You start by talking about it and then eventually you get there. So I think that's where we are now. Maybe we are at the talking phase and now we need to get there. Um, But uh, yeah, I think it's easy to talk about, but I think it's harder to execute um, for various reasons.
2: Okay. uh, We want to go into those reasons as well. (laughs) um, Let's put a pin on that. What is is something... uh, what is that p- companies don't get about demand generation? Is there one thing, is there something that you have to explain over and over and over again?
0: Yeah, I think the 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 main fault that companies are still ma- making is that we're talking about giving value to our audience, you know, the, the, the basis of demand is, is that, like we're trying to give value to our target audience and we're trying to You know, uh, when we talk about bringing in uh, leads or stuff into our funnel, we're trying to be very qualitative. We want the right companies through the door, both for them and for us. And I think that's where companies go wrong. Yes, they start by providing value and start by create. I don't think the creation phase is is the, the problem here. People actually create a lot of great content, distribute it quite well. But I think the problem lies in them Uh, kind of measuring it and how they attribute success still, Um, like how they work with the sales team also. It's still very, even if we say we want to focus on quality, it's still a lot of obsession around how many leads we bring in and how, uh, you know, uh, how much meeting those turn into instead of maybe the end of the funnel, looking at the, the revenue portion and maybe instead how many companies that are getting into your funnel as a lead are from within your SAP, from your personas. Um, I still see that as the main issue and that it, it's not aligned with sales. Like obviously sales will always come running if the volumes are going down uh, and asking what's happening. But if that is aligned, line, if they understand that you're only bringing in qualitative um, leads through the door, uh, then they will understand that. And uh, I would say that's, a, for us, that's a shift that has been quite recent to get that understanding, and I think it's super hard, but I think that's where the measurement part and the success part is still where people go wrong. You can try to give value all that you want, but if you still just let everyone through the door in your uh, enormous funnel, uh, it will never work. Uh, yeah.
1: Do you think that that's because some um, kind of sales has been pushing uh, before? Okay in previous times, sales has been the one that drives. That is drives. definitely yeah. one
0: part, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like many companies, may, maybe maybe more so in Europe than US, are very sales-heavy, sales-led. So usually the sales departments, in, in at least all the companies I've been looking at, are you know maybe 10 times bigger sometimes than the marketing department. And of course, they will have a huge impact or influence on the strategy. Um so I think to, to to be able to move towards more of a demand side, I think the sales side also need to move a little bit, and that is maybe the part that has not been able to work that well yet. Uh, yeah.
1: So pretty much all the marketers need to go to um, uh, some sort of arguments class or, and kind of start stating the obvious to the <laughs> rest of the organization and kind of, yeah, standing up for it, what they actually, what we see that is, is meaningful.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think one exercise that that uh, I usually do early on is like we we look at we look at all of our historical pipeline. Maybe take last year as an example, and then we split that out into we call it high intent and we call it low intent. So we make two different funnels. Um, we we can also do that by by segments. So we make sure the high intent one is maybe only uh, companies within USP. And then we look like how much volume is coming into each stage from an MQL to an SQL to a a customer. And the same thing then for maybe other sources that are not in your ICP, like could be a free account or a web signup or a webinar or whatever. Um, And look at that as well through the funnel. And what we usually see, I I would say in 99% of the cases is like we have quite a low amount in the more high intent, the right segment, but the amount of revenue coming out there, the majority of the revenue is coming from there. And in the other funnel, we have a huge volume of leads coming in, but the revenue that's coming out of there is is really small. And and when that is very, it becomes very graspable for sales leaders as well, I've, and for C suite. Uh, so it's like, okay, should we really focus on this this you know funnel that's Costing a lot of money to to put in, say we can set a value uh, like everything we have spent uh, dragging that in, but we got nothing in return almost. Or should we m- maybe even cut that completely, and focus on just increasing this high intent one by a few percentage that would make a huge. Uh, so I think that is that is that is an exercise that have worked really well actually uh, all the times I've done it.
2: Do you see uh, any? movement (laughs) towards demand generation or is it like you said earlier it's more the talk phase still and there is or the movement is so small still towards lead generation and there is all we're facing is the kind of the lead gen uphill
0: no but i think there are of course some i need to be the 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 optimistic one now i guess (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but i think i think there are some great movies there are some really great European companies that's doing a good job. Uh, I really have to say that, like take Cognizant as an example, is a super example. They are probably one of the, the demandian leaders in the world and they're a European company that, that's kind of leading. And I think that's what needs to happen also in Europe. We need a few really good examples of companies growing a lot, utilizing this kind of strategy, not only utilizing, but talking about it vocally a lot to, to make it happen. Uh, and I think the SaaS space, of course, is, uh, you know, the development here is going faster. It's a very, people tend to be quite quite quick on jumping on trends and so on. But some of the other more traditional maybe B2B sectors is, have, a, have a long, long way to go, of course. Um, but I definitely think we are going in, in the right direction. As I think it is led by a few companies that are really pushing for it, which is really cool.
2: Uh, any examples? Who, who do you think is doing demand gen really well?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think Cognizant, as I said, is doing a great job. I think uh, <laughs> I have to mention ourselves, of, course. of course. I think we're getting there. <laughs> we give you <laughs> of <course>. that. <laughs> of, of course. But I think there are a lot of other companies as well that's doing a, a great job. We have PLEO in Denmark that's doing a, a good job. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's not a lack of companies that, that are doing it, it's more companies that are maybe vocal about it as well. Um, because I, I see that as a, that is probably the best way to inspire is to actually, yeah, do the work, but then also share your work, share what worked and share what, what didn't work. And that, that's actually how I got started on LinkedIn. Like I just started to share things that worked and things that didn't work for me. Uh, and that's kind of how I could also build the personal brand in that sense. Um, but it's quite an easy thing to do also like, okay, I tested this today um, for a few weeks. It didn't work. Maybe I should write about it. Maybe someone could be interested in that. Um, but I think there, obviously, if we look into the US market, we have, uh, we have a whole bunch of companies that are you know successful through Demandian. But maybe it's not the case that we have more companies. Maybe we just have more vocal companies in that sense about it. That is, um, sometimes I'm, uh, yeah, it's hard to know that, um, to be honest
2: talk is the kind of the smog in front of it, it gives, exactly. the, I- it gives exactly. the idea that something's happening when you don't actually know if something is happening
0: <laughs> no and that's always the hard part like it, a company you see them on linkedin all the time talking demand and talking how they never gate anything of their stuff and then when you actually look into it they are doing that <laughs> it's like it becomes very weird to me uh, uh, yeah yeah
1: So, kind of, actually, we've been talking about the demand generation here for a while, and um, kind of, I'm interested to hear. um, Do you think that lead gen, uh, as it is, um, is it evil? Should we just uh, toss it (laughs) away, or (laughs) don't swear here? (laughs) What's your take on
0: that? Yeah, I, I think that take for me has shifted a little bit. I think in the beginning I was oh very excited about the Mandian and everything about Legion is, is terrible. But I think I have gradually kind of grown into yeah, you become more uh, yeah, more nice when you grow up, I guess. Um <laughs> so I, I, I I think I'm 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 getting there now. I, I see I see value I see value in some Legion tactics. I think where the what we want to avoid is how we measure Lydian. That is maybe the main issue. Like we don't want to measure volume. We want to make sure uh, we are bringing, you know, quality. Uh, But I think there are some tactics just to be very practical on this one. I have been, you know, for a while now, running uh, Lydian forms on LinkedIn. Like it's very uh, towards our retargeting audience. So people that actually know about us a little bit, uh, you know, trying to get them to to book a demo on LinkedIn instead of going to our site. And this has actually performed really, really well. And I have been skeptical for years about doing that and been like bashing on companies on LinkedIn for doing that. And then I tried it and then it was like, oh, fuck, Um, maybe maybe I was the one who who was wrong here. I can also uh, see that this is working well. Uh, Yeah.
2: Well, I'm glad that you are uh, willing to admit that mistake. (laughs) So it's a mix
0: of now I am. I I used to used to not be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's pretty much a mix of both, like um having the best of both worlds and kind of trying to find the right balance for your organization, I imagine.
0: Yeah, and exactly. And I mean now in in, as we we talked about two weeks ago, the recession. Um it's like we we need to it's not only longer term, it's also short we need to prove short term results even if you believe in a long-term strategy or even if you believe in a demand or you know, brand awareness strategy we need to also show short-term results uh, and lead yet has a place there um there's no going away from that i think that's really important
1: and you actually mentioned earlier on uh two weeks ago that uh you do quite a lot of experiments how does that work in your organization what does it mean yeah. actually?
0: Yeah, I am always been, like, one of my, as a person, one of my big USPs is that I, I tend to run very fast and tend to try a lot of things. And my, my, my bad thing then is that I'm, I'm terrible at structure. Um, so now I've had to work with that a little bit. So, so what we have been doing a lot now is we've always been doing experiments in some kind, but do it in a more structured way. Like taking a step back, looking at everything we're doing, keeping what we see, look, this is definitely working. The, the things we can actually prove a little bit that that is working. Yeah, that we might keep. But other than that, try and cut down as much as possible just to launch one experiment at a time. That can be any channel. Um, but for us, usually we are pretty heavy on Google, LinkedIn and Facebook uh, are our three main channels, I would say. So then that might be, okay, these three weeks, we launch one campaign on LinkedIn about some sort of topic. Uh, we launched one campaign on Google and those are the two experiments we run for these weeks we make them very well but we also are very structured in how we measure results and we set very structured kpis and if we see it we set like leading indicators that we 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 want to see for them to have some sort of success short term and then we of course have you know longer indicators that are ARR, so we can see that um yet. So then we see if we hit our leading indicators, then we scale them up. If we don't, we test something new. So that is kind of how we've started to do work now. And I, I think it's a really fun way to work also because you, I think it's so hard, for me at least, it's so easy to just launch stuff, just keep going, just look at the next next step, but never look back. And now I'm kind of forced to do that because I, I also want to present the results now to our CFO, to our CMO, to our CEO, to, okay, this test, they actually know what tests we're running now. That didn't, you know, that wasn't the case before. They know what we're doing on Google. They understand that. And then I, of course, want to show the results, bad or good, and show also what are we going to do next? And so that has been uh, a really fun change, actually.
1: So in in practicality, actually, actually, how does it work? Do you have a spreadsheet where you put all the stuff in? And do you actually revisit some of the experiments that you've done previously and see if they work now?
0: Yeah, it's very, it's still very manual driven, but I, I like that. Uh, we shouldn't disregard spreadsheet. We don't have to automate everything. Um, of course, the experiments mostly run in in the channel of their own, but we combine them in a sheet. Of course, we have historical experiments in there as well, so we can see some. Okay, we have tried this before. Maybe that's not what we should try now. But for all the new new things, we are we are having a central place where we locate everything and where we also put in ideas. Like this is where we think we could could go next as an example um, and I think that's also important to note maybe uh, next doesn't always have to be a completely new campaign maybe it could be changing something in the visual ad if it's a social campaign or maybe it could be changing a headline if you're on google like uh, an experiment doesn't have to be one a big thing all the time I think that's that has also be a realization of mine
1: that's actually a really good point, that uh, experiments, they, they do not have to be huge every time. They can be yeah. just a start, like, small change in the copy or something like that. It uh, might have a major difference in the outcome. It's, fu- it's funny and so um, intriguing as well. All right, yeah, it that-
0: feels like you're always like looking for the next big thing, but maybe you should just look for a lot of small <laughs> things. Instead, like maybe that's easier to find because it's truly like we're always looking for this holy grail of uh, finding our big win this year but maybe usually at least not for me that doesn't happen it's not one thing that performs exceptionally well and maybe it's a few things that performs good uh, yeah
2: okay uh, we could be talking about experimentation for another <laughs> hour or so but to bring this back to uh, the demand gen lead gen uh, uh, conversation I know, and anybody who follows you on LinkedIn knows that you also talk about a term called demand capture. Can you, yeah. uh, let's let's do this terminology question how, now. So uh, for demand and demand capture, lead gen, how do you see those three things and the relationship between them?
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah, so usually I, I divide demand up into two parts. One is, as you said, demand capture, and one is then the demand creation part. And demand capture, I would say, is is where we capture the existing demand and it's more like where can we directly attribute stuff that is more how I like to explain it and usually that becomes Google and that becomes like review sites, but mainly Google that is where we can you know really see that someone has searched for this and then I've converted into this that's a true capture channel and usually that's a lot of brand so people searching for your brand and then comes into your pipeline and so on Uh, the other part then demand creation is actually about you know you know, creating that demand from people that didn't know about you to get to know about you and that you can do that in in many, many, many different ways. Uh, But it's more about bringing value, you know, brand awareness and the demand creation for me is basically the same thing, So more long term strategies. And usually what it doesn't bring direct attributed revenue, but it influences instead the demand capture channel. So often what you create uh, in creation, you can actually capture them on Google as an example. That is usually how I, I like to look at it. But since they are so different, they also need to be measured differently. I think that's also important. Like if you do every, if you only work with demand creation, which which no one should, to be honest, because you also need to get the revenue through the door. Uh, you will only look at metrics for that. And same thing for demand capture, you will look at more, you uh, know, more heavy metrics like FQLs, deals, maybe uh, SQL uh, and pipeline. And then when in the demand creation part, usually companies tend to look at more soft values. So a main one tend to be like we ask people how they heard about us. Since since we can't attribute stuff, the you know, the attribution journey is not perfect. Um a lot of traffic coming in is either to direct traffic, organic search, uh yeah, Google search in any means. But where, where did they hear about this the first time? That is what we want to figure out. So usually companies tend to add that field in their forms so people can answer themselves. Uh, and sometimes that works well. And sometimes people just say uh, internet and then it doesn't say that <laughs> Uh But I think it, it, it usually paints a pretty good picture. Um, we have been doing that for a while. And then we can look, to, then we basically make a funnel out of it. We look at the demand creation part, and then we look at, okay, uh, based on these answers, Uh, from those people can we split it up into different channels that have actually created that demand and usually we are pretty heavy on LinkedIn so that's a big one for us G2 is a big one for us and then Google of course is a big one for us Uh, and then we go down the funnel we look at the demand creation part and here uh, it's more only Google and only review sites so uh, but here we can actually see very firm numbers like Okay, they searched for this and they came in as an MQL and then became a deal and then became a customer. Um, so it's very different ways of looking at it, but we can see like that the top part, the demand creation part, is heavily influencing um, the bottom part. And I have actually done, just to prove my point that, that you have to do sometimes, I've also done tests on that. Like, what happens in this country if we completely shut off all our demand creation? channels that we run on. And for us, for us, that's a lot of social. We also run a lot of events. What if you don't do that? And we see during that period we did that, we we saw a massive, massive decrease. Um like in everything that could be directly attributed as well. So it was a I think sometimes you also need to take a step back and maybe do some of those tests to prove a point. Like I think we have all working in marketing at some point would like to I guess what well, to cut off all of marketing just to show people how <laughs> Uh, much bad everything will get um maybe that's a bit harsh but I, I i like the point of that
1: how long did you dare to wait for the experiment to end how long did you no, kind of
0: no it was it was a few months but it was also a very small market for us um so it's like even if the results became bad um it would not have a huge financial impact on us so i think you have to you have to also choose your uh your test wisely, of course.
1: Into main market and then,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you could maybe. Uh, then you you would would stand without a job probably. But
2: CEO, yeah. sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: That's really courageous. But that that kind of reminds me of a. It, I I I don't want to belittle it, but this image that I had in my mind is this kind of teenage going. Well, if I can't ha- do this, then I won't do anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Exactly, exactly. Sometimes you, we need to go there. I think
2: like, you do it. Yeah,
0: exactly, You do it then.
2: <laughs> right. Okay. Um. What would? You, what is your advice? Do you have some kind of yellow brick road process to you know the promised land, so to say? If there is a marketing team or a company that has been running kind of, um, should we call it traditional lead gen playbook? I don't know if there is such a thing as traditional lead gen yep. playbook, but that's <laughs> kind of the, the motor they've been running uh, so far. And now they want to move towards uh, di- more of a demand generation motor. What yep. do you, what, what's your advice? What needs to happen? Um, is it just a matter of changing tactics and running with it or, you know, what should they do?
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a few different parts. I think, of course, the tactics will change a little bit. But I think in, in essence, you need to align around that change before changing. Like around on align on what the changes will impact. Like what will the impact be? Like forecast the decrease because the leads will go down. The meetings will probably go down. But your hope is that the pipeline and the revenue will go up. Um, and you need to make that very, very clear until it happens. Because if you don't, you will, when it happens, you will have to revert back. And that I have seen many times, like companies starting to focus more on quality, starting to do less leadian tactics, but then they have to revert back only after a few weeks since the company got too too scared, Um, which is reasonable, I get that. But you have to, if you align on that first, then it's much easier to, this is expected. We expect this decrease, but we also expect in six months time that our revenue and pipeline will grow because we are bringing the right customers through the door. So that's definitely step one. But other parts than that, I have a very like simple playbook that I tend to, like like a paid and slash organic playbook that I tend to, uh, to run that I think works well for most companies. Uh, I tend to have, you know, the main three channels being Google, being LinkedIn, being Facebook. If we talk paid, I think some sort of budget split on those this it doesn't matter what you what budget you have, but maybe be forty percent on Google, sixty percent on more the social channels. Have. And in in the social channels, I tend to be more like maybe eighty percent on LinkedIn and twenty percent on on Facebook. But I think that's a that's a solid solid start to as we talked about before, create demand through those channels and then capture the demand in. Uh, on Google. I think that's a solid and usually I tend to, to run Facebook mainly as retargeting. So we run Facebook as retargeting and then on LinkedIn we actually run our main campaign since we have much better targeting there. Uh, and I think uh, all companies also need to do a lot of work in their targeting. Like LinkedIn has some flaws in who they target and how uh, <laughs> what companies you are actually show to. So, uh, so I think there are you can do a lot of work there. There are a lot of providers doing that um, that you can get help from. So I think that's important, and on Google I also tend to split it up between uh, brand, uh, tend to split it up into some sort of competitor ad segment. Um, depending on what kind of tool or software or, or agency or so you are or you sell, there probably are a lot of existing demand. If you have a lot of competitors, they have already built up a lot of demand that you can you kind of tap into and uh, if you are not doing it to them people will do it to you so i think it's it's also funny if you look at us versus uh, eu it's very different mentality there in the us everyone goes after everyone in eu it's still uh, a little bit of uh, i still get the uh, messages uh, you know asking if we can stop beating on each other and so on which is reasonable but it's also uh, Yeah, I don't know, it's a a tactic that works often. Like they have already built the brand around your customers that you would like and you want to tap into that. Uh, I think it's quite reasonable. Uh, So brand on Google, you have your competitor ads, and then I tend to try and find one other non-branded term or keyword that works for you. And that depends a little bit of of course on what you sell. but I tend to try and, and start a bit more long-term. I make it very practical now, but but make it a bit more long-term. Usually I've been selling CRMs in the past. CRM obviously have a huge volume, but uh, it will rarely provide any real ROI or real pipeline, but maybe you can get value from, you know, uh, the best CRM in the UK. That is something you could, could tap into or finding finding these few uh, non-branded terms where you place your bets on and again experiments here i tend to run a few of those at a time and see if they work uh, with my leading indicator and then i scale them up so i would say those three are my uh, main uh, in the playbook and then organically i would say also linkedin here for b2b is massive to try and grow that organic following so usually tend to uh, have a channel where we uh, or I post something every day, just uh, to get that consistency up um, and have a very clear niche about what we're uh, we're posting about. So yes, your company is selling some sort of solution, but that solution is hopefully connected to some sort of area. Say that I was selling, a, a I don't know, a demand generation software, I pr- would probably not talk about the demand generation software, but I will talk about demand generation and why I care about that and why people should follow this account. Um, so I think those are those are, with no without a doubt, the the most important things, regardless of what B two B company it is. I think everyone can get those to work.
1: That's a nice nice yellow brick road there for us to skip and hop on.
2: Yeah, I and don't apologize for being practical. We love practical, so yeah, there's yeah, something yeah, that, that right. people people can try. But I think that on top of the practical things that you went through, I think uh, the very first thing you said is also really important. Like when. If you if you start doing more demand generation and when you reach that point where you get your kind of wobbly feet and you are worried that this is not working and oh my God, and what's happening, then kind of still push through that feeling and, and don't revert immediately back at least.
0: No, I still get anxiety like when when I uh, like ah oh, the volumes are dropping again, oh, I'm, I, we're hoping for a result in six months. So we're really hoping <laughs> it's like, it's, it's tough, right? We, I also think like we we can, we can rely on data a lot. But I also think uh, that is my like, like, sometimes it's just gut feeling, it just has to feel right as well. I think we can uh, indicate stuff with data. But I also think we as marketers have, uh, yeah, a mind of our own, like we, we, we know what works best for we know our product, we know our customers, hopefully, uh, and this is what we, together with data, feel like is the way forward. I think that's also important.
1: I love that you mentioned data; it's a passion of ours. <laughs> but actually, brings <laughs> us to the next question: that uh, about metrics. Like, mm-hmm. um, what are those metrics that we should follow uh, in demand generation? In your your yeah. opinion?
0: Yeah, and that's usually where the where the biggest change happens when, when you move from from more of a tactic. You you move from a more of a volume play. Uh, getting leads through the door to more quality measures. Um, usually that means instead of obsessing over MQLs necessarily, you look at maybe more uh, high intent MQLs. So the people that have actually reached out wanting to talk to sales. That's the main one. Like that's the leading indicator, getting people through the door. We have more and more people coming through here that are looking to talk to us um, because we think that that will correlate well with revenue. Uh, and those MQLs of course should be qualified so that you make sure that they are in your ICP. Um, because often it's also the case that a lot of companies come through the door that might not be a right fit, um, and that 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 handles that is handled very early, so you don't run an entire sales process and then figure it out. Uh, so I would say high intent MQL is maybe the the biggest leading indicator that you you can have, uh, and then we have uh, I think both we we have had de- like deals is of course important when the meeting is booked, um, but we've also added now what we call SQO, so it's the the part after the meeting has actually been, uh, yeah, been held. So to say, so was this an opportunity or was this not? Because that then we can truly say that this was quality. Now we have had, you know, someone from sales saying like, this is an opportunity for both us and for them going forward. Uh, and if we if we see that the high temp girls go up as an example, but the SP is actually going down or standing still, okay, maybe we are not bringing in the right stuff there. So I think it's, all those are very good leading um, leading indicators, but then for more lagging indicators, where we truly want to see progress is the pipeline. So the value basically that that the sales reps have set on all of these uh, meetings and then uh, revenue, of course. But pipeline is maybe more, it's more graspable. And it's also usually the best way to align with sales because they also look at that constantly. So we look at, at pipeline, uh, I would say from a week to week basis from marketing also like what do we have up for closing from from marketing attributes and sources here and how can we help if we can to support that, um, which also makes it very nice if we reach out to someone in sales that that is responsible for a deal that's all about the close um, like like just cheer them on a little bit I think that's that's quite cool from because it's not that common from a marketing perspective to have a good understanding of deals. And that—that that is one thing we are trying to do more of this year to really uh, align and, and have a good control of what's in the pipeline for marketing as well to make sure uh, they know that we are here as well.
1: So that requires quite a lot of uh, communications between marketing and sales. And yeah, exactly. Forgetting those silos once again, forget those silos. I feel yeah, like maybe I'm, pipeline
0: yeah. is uh, the easiest way to bridge that because they always look at pipeline And if we also look at pipeline, it makes it very, very clear in a way. I think MQLs and stuff like that is sometimes hard maybe to align around, but maybe it's easier, pipeline is easier.
1: Yeah. And you get the ownership as well from sales, kind of of credibility.
2: Yeah, personally, as a marketer, yeah. I would absolutely love if I could have uh, visibility and conversations with sales about our pipeline and what we can do to help there and things like that. So that would that would be my dream come true, or one of them.
0: Yeah, because, because often it might be so like they might be uh, you know looking for valuable piece of content that they, they would need to send out around something that they have a hard time getting or things like that. That's very easy.
2: Great, brilliant. Uh, We have only two more questions left, and then we are going to let you go (laughs) and do actual work today. (laughs) Um, But uh, (laughs) so uh, this has been such a great conversation on on demand generation, but and there have been so many things that uh, people will be able to kind of um, take take with them and try them out. But um, do you have a quick uh, summary of or quick points about what is the what are the do's and don'ts of uh, demand generation? You can choose one or two yep. or three points, but quick summary, do and don't.
0: Yeah, I think, I think quick summary of demand of generation is one to get aligned before making an extra change with, with whoever that may be. If it's management, if it's uh, sales, you need to buy in before actually doing anything because otherwise it, it just won't work. You will have to revert back eventually. That is, that is definitely step one. Uh, and I think step two is to create a very clear experimentation or whatever you call it, playbook, framework framework um, that you also explain how you will work to everyone else. We will test one thing at a time. We will show results, the results that we get and then we will go from there. Because I think that will also make the change much easier. Uh, if you just make a change, uh, change everything at once, you will have a hard time argumenting and explaining that. Uh, so I think those two are, uh, are the two biggest ones and maybe more practical than the third one is uh, do that budget split i said i think somewhere around you know if you start with 50 50 on search versus social maybe that's okay and um, maybe you can even go 60 on search and 40 on social as a start but most companies are 80 percent, 90 plus on search and i think that that is a big a big problem when it comes to um, to demand yeah So I think that is something that needs to change. Uh, Yeah.
1: Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic summary. Maybe we should now move on to the last section of this episode, um, which is called the Fast Five. So uh, five simple questions, five simple answers. Are you ready? Ready. Yeah. All right. Here we go. First one. What book or books are you currently reading?
0: I have a one and a half year old. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not reading.
1: <laughs> so we need the but pool. I think, that's,
0: I think that's you need a parent uh, thing here. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> no so, so so nothing nothing actually.
1: Okay, brilliant. Uh, I know that every parent probably can you know, re- relate to that. <laughs> mm, uh, a SARS company you love and why? Say that again. A SARS company you love, and why yeah. do you do that?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think I have to say uh, Chili Piper. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it, it's a solution I use. So I think it's cool, um, but uh, they've they created such a good, good brand and they have such an organic presence that I'm, oh, I mean, I'm so impressed with how they've created that. And they get so much hype and buzz in the market uh, that I'm really uh, jealous about.
1: Okay, next one. What is your favorite place to read about growth? Books, not obviously. <laughs> <laughs> or when you have the time. <laughs> when, when you have time. When you have the when you have time and not the toddler of their own. Uh,
0: no, but I'm I'm a big I'm a big podcaster and a big. Um, I think I, I get most of my knowledge from LinkedIn and podcasts. To be honest, um, the various podcasts. Your own, very good, of course. Uh, but I think there are uh, there are a lot to learn by listening to other people and what they what they say.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the most important growth metric in your opinion? Pipeline. What is your best piece of advice for fellow SaaS marketers?
0: Um, start proving your, your points very early. I think I've learned that, that the, the hard way, so to say, um, I think align and prove and then scale, I think that's a good, uh, yeah.
2: Fantastic. Well, that is it. Uh, Thank you, Adam, so much for taking the time and coming to visit our podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
2: And that's it. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And in fact, we would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so tell us what you thought. Anything we missed? Anything you'd like us to revisit? Let's keep the conversation going on on Twitter at SaaS Growth Hub or on LinkedIn at the SaaS Growth Hub podcast.
1: And if you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe to Growth Hub on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. Until next time, cheers! People are
2: sick and tired of being marketed to and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their products